Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. Zechariah 2 is one of the most mysterious chapters in the Bible, and to be sure, the book of Zechariah is considered quite mysterious by many, if not most, believers. A man with a measuring line appears in verse 1, and this man is measuring Jerusalem. Then Jehovah declares that he will be the glory within Jerusalem and the fire round about her, protecting the city and his people as its inhabitants. All of this is against the backdrop of the previous 70 years of history where Jehovah seemingly was silent and inactive. What has caused the Lord to rise up and take such an active and vigorous stand on behalf of his people? The answer is clear. His people have returned from their captivity in Babylon, and they are re-inhabiting Jerusalem, and Jehovah is re-inhabiting his house, the temple. Ron Kangas has joined us to fellowship on this really remarkable and wonderful chapter in the book of Zechariah. Ron, it's a pleasure to be back with you again. It's good to be back. I really like the book of Zechariah. Mm -hmm. I don't understand it that well, but I looked forward to the opportunity of learning more as we labor and exercise. Now we're in chapter 2. It's glorious and mysterious. I'm happy to fellowship about it. And as we uh, will see in the program today, and as we've already seen in the first couple of programs of Zechariah, this uh, Old Testament book of prophecy is full of uh, New Testament application, isn't it, Ron? All these points you just mentioned. It is, especially when we realize that Zechariah was a recovery prophet. That is, he was prophesying at the time of Zerubbabel and Ezra and these people that have returned for the rebuilding of the temple and the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem. So one of the many dimensions of application of his prophecy is with what we call the Lord's recovery, the recovery of the truth of Christ's life and Mm -hmm. eventually of the oneness of the body of Christ expressed in the genuine and proper church life today. And because this is a chapter of recovery, of repossessing Jerusalem through measuring and the Lord himself being the glory and the fire and sending himself because he's triune. This is not something that's merely for a prophetic future. Yeah. This has an application, not primarily individually, but to our corporate church life today in the principle of the Lord's recovery. Well, we've had a good introduction and a nice overview. Let's get into the meat of this program and join Witness Lee. We're going to touch initially these first few verses in Zechariah 2. Then I lifted up my eyes and I looked, and there was a man, and in his hand was a measuring line. And he said, Where are you going? And he said to me, To measure Jerusalem. And I said, Where are you going? And he said to me, To measure Jerusalem, to see how great its breadth is and how great its length is. For I will be her wall of fire round about, declares Jehovah, 
and I will be the glory within her. Here's Witness Lee. We come to a very mysterious chapter in this book. That is chapter 2. The beginning of this chapter says a man with a measuring line in his hand. He's going to measure Jerusalem. How great its width is and how great its length is. You know, the temple is a sign of God's house and the city is a sign of God's kingdom for administration. Jerusalem, in a sense, was given up by God for quite a long time of 70 years. Now, the captivity came back, so God also came back to them. But God wanted to measure them. To measure means to possess. I must tell you, the spiritual measuring is not just to measure the size, but rather to measure the condition, the situation. Well, this measurement is by the excellent Christ being both man and God. He came to measure Jerusalem, indicating that he is as God to gain, to get, to possess, to own Jerusalem, that Jehovah may repossess it. Jehovah will be the protection of Jerusalem at her circumference and her glory at her center. Christ today is the glory right in the center of the church. And Christ today is also the fire burning around the church at the circumference of the church. Then, when we get into the New Jerusalem, we'll see the same thing. We will see Christ will be there, just the glory to the center of the new universe. Then that glory sent through the wall of the New Jerusalem. Then the shining will reach the outside of the New Jerusalem. That is the protecting fire to express God and to protect His entire kingdom. Ron, we have um, several points here that seem to be disconnected, but I think in reality what we just saw, a real linkage, a real connection between the measuring, the glory, the protection, all of these things prophesied by Zechariah relating to the children of Israel at that time. But as we mentioned in the introduction, there is a real present application and a future one related to all of these things, isn't there? There is, and I would like to suggest what should be the focal point based upon the central matter in this portion of Zechariah chapter 2. The object of Jehovah's concern is Jerusalem. He, in particular, is measuring Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, the city, signifies God's kingdom for his administration. In the Lord's recovery, one crucial matter is surely the house of God, his dwelling place. And the church today, 
as Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 3, is the house of the living God, right? The Father's house in John 14. That's the church. The city signifies the kingdom, not only in the future, but the church today is the kingdom of God in reality and practicality. The Lord's measuring Jerusalem and actually measuring without measure indicates he is repossessing his kingdom on the earth and that the measuring indicates that the kingdom has no limit just as God has no limit. It matches God himself. The kingdom is really not only God's administration, but the administrating God acting for his interests on the earth. The glory will be in the midst of this city. So at the center of the kingdom is the glory. Reminds you of Matthew 6. Yours is the kingdom and the authority and the glory. Then there's the wall of fire around it, analogous to the jasper wall of the new Jerusalem, protecting God's interests. So you see Jehovah measuring, repossessing, guarding by glory and fire his city, Jerusalem, signifying his kingdom. When we touch the matter of the kingdom, we really touch something that elicits a response in God. God has a great need in his economy to have his kingdom on the earth. During the captivity, he lost his house and his kingdom. Now, in Zechariah 2, there's a recovery, and you see God in his glory, in his fire, coming, measuring, possessing, guarding, and protecting. To use the word awesome in a very strict and exact way, it is truly an awesome sight. Jehovah as the glory within and as the fire around Jerusalem, his kingdom for his administration. We need to know the Lord as he is revealed here. Boy, that... uh uh, really gives a profound underscore to these verses. In our opening uh, and in our little initial dialogue there, you mentioned uh, one of the points we're going to cover, another mysterious point, we see Jehovah sending Jehovah. How is that? All right, we'll find it in chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For thus says Jehovah of hosts after the glory, he has sent me against the nations who plunder you. And in his uh, unique way, Witness Lee will provoke in a very good way uh, some real serious consideration about this verse and what it implies. So let's join him for that. Jehovah says, after glory, he has sent me after the glory. Here indicates after the return of the captivity, after the return of the captured captives. The glory came back. The glory was absent, but right at the return of the captives, the glory became present. Okay, 
Jehovah says, after the glory, he has sent me. Now, I will check with you these two pronouns. He referred to whom? Jehovah says, he has sent me. Then you say, he referred to Jehovah. Then me referred to whom? Could be one Jehovah, two persons. In the Old Testament, this divine title, Jehovah, refers to the Trinity. You have to study Exodus chapter 3. There you could see God was unveiled as three. He is the God of Abraham. He is also the God of Isaac. He is also the God of Jacob. But does this mean there are three gods? No. To say that our God is three gods, this is heresy. God is triune, but God is not three gods. Okay, God is triune, so one of the three sent another of the three. No doubt, he refers to the Father, and me refers to the Son. After the return of the captivities, the triune God did something marvelous. They are great that the Father sent the Son. This corresponds with the New Testament teaching in John 5 and 6. The Father has sent me in John 5. And that sentence equals this sentence here. After the glory, he has sent me. How about this? By this you can see the Holy Word is very profound. Ron, listening to this portion, it reminded me way back when we were enjoying the life study of Genesis and in the uh, very first pages of the Bible, there's a glimpse there of this council in and among the Godhead. In Genesis chapter 126, where the triune God says, let us make man in our image. And we really see the triune God uh, sort of hinted at there. And now, upon the return of God's people from Babylon, it almost seems to have uh, initiated another council in the Godhead and uh, some significant vital activity taking place uh, uh, related to this, isn't it? Yes, and here we have the operation of the triune God in his economy. And by economy, we mean uh, God's plan and his arrangement leading to his operation to carry out his purpose of dispensing himself into us to produce a corporate expression. Some of our listeners who have some uh, theological background might wonder when we refer to God, the triune God in his economy, are we referring merely to what's called an economical trinity? We wish to make it clear that according to the divine revelation, there is one self-existing, ever-existing, eternal, true, and living God. He is triune, the Father, Son, and Spirit. All three are God. All three are eternal. All three exist at the same time. All three co-inhere in the Godhead. This is the Trinity, in the divine essence, the essential trinity. But what we have here is not 
some kind of abstract speculation on the relationships among the Father, Son, and Spirit in the Godhead, here we see the divine trinity in operation. Hmm. Jehovah of hosts says, He sent me. Who could have sent the Jehovah of hosts? If we read, you have to conclude, Jehovah of hosts sent Jehovah of hosts. This does not mean there are two Jehovahs or two gods. It points to the divine trinity, the triune God. In the principle of interpreting Scripture by Scripture, we go from here to John chapter 5 and chapter 6. In 657, the Lord said, The living Father sent me. But the me who was sent is Jehovah God come in the flesh. And the one who sent Jehovah God in the flesh, the incarnate Son, the embodiment of the triune God, is none else but Jehovah himself as the sender. So here we have, on the one hand, the mystery of the divine trinity, and on the other hand, and this is the emphasis here, the operation of the divine trinity. Here in this section, speaking of the recovery of Jerusalem as the recovery of God's kingdom, we are confronted with the dynamic operation of the triune God to carry out his recovery work. Here we do not have the divine trinity as a doctrine for theology. Here we have the triune God in his move, Jehovah sending Jehovah to carry out the burden of Jehovah for the interests of Jehovah on the earth, namely in Jerusalem. Okay, our final section today brings us to this very short but uh, touching point. Let me read a few verses uh, again from chapter 2. For thus says Jehovah of hosts, After the glory he has sent me against the nations who plunder you, for he who touches you touches the pupil of his eye. And I will dwell in your midst, and you will know that Jehovah of hosts has sent me to you. And Jehovah will inherit Judah as his portion upon the holy land. And he will again choose Jerusalem. Hush all flesh before Jehovah, for he is roused up from his holy habitation. Wow, these are powerful words and marvelous. Let's join Winnis Lee for our last section. Jehovah says, after glory, he has sent me to do something against the nations. And the nations were those who plundered the people of Israel. He who touches you touches the pupil of his eye. Whose eye? The father's eye. The children of Israel are so dear to God's feeling. Whoever touches them touches the pupil of the eye of the Father. And this tells Zechariah and all the returned dear ones with Joshua, Zerubbabel, how dear the returned people of Israel to God the Father. This is really a word of consolation, a word of encouragement. Then verse 12 says, And Jehovah will inherit Judah as his portion upon the holy land, and he will again choose Jerusalem. Very good. 
Then we go on. Hush, all flesh. Let him speak. Hush, all flesh before Jehovah. For he is roused up before the glory. He was sitting there. But after the glory, he rose up from his holy habitation. Hallelujah. You know, today, our Christ, our God, our triumph God, is no more saddened in his heavenly habitation. He is roused up from his holy habitation. Jesus, our Christ today, is moving, working, doing things on this earth. Hallelujah. Ron, I just uh, hand it to you in the few remaining moments that we have, your um, feelings, your thoughts about this portion. At this juncture, I would like to speak with particular care and with some limitation because the segment that we just heard from Brother Lee is really wonderful. The feeling, the expression, the spirit, the substance of it. And I don't want to detract from it, just highlight it. Two things stand out. One thing about us and one thing about the Lord. We are the pupil of his eye. To touch the people in God's recovery is to touch something the Lord cares about very much. And there's this immediate response on his part. And in this case, it's particularly to the troubling nations. But we need to be impressed with how dear his recovered people are to him. And then the main point is the second point. Jehovah is roused up from his holy habitation, from his dwelling place. When he's silent, no one can force him to speak. When he chooses to be silent and work behind the scene, We just believe in him as the hiding God and as the quiet God. But the same is true when he is roused up and is ready to speak. The wisest thing is to stop, hush up, be still, be quiet, and let him be God. There's a time, almost like in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, right? a time to be silent, and a time to speak. And God, during the 70 years of captivity and during the initial return from captivity, he had his time of being silent. But now, according to this chapter, he is roused up. He is active. He is exhibiting his glory. He is being a wall of fire. He is repossessing his city, his kingdom, Don't touch what's precious to him. He is now coming forth and will hush every discordant voice, everything strident, everything presumptuous. I'm looking to this day when this happens, when this prophecy is fulfilled uh, in a literal way, and when the Lord comes again and he requires the whole earth to hush, be still, Jehovah is speaking. 
Well, Ron, I don't want to say this sentimentally. I mean this genuinely in the Lord's sovereignty. I've been away for um, a fairly lengthy period, and I am just so grateful that he's allowed me to uh, return and again participate in this tremendous fellowship. I've really enjoyed it again today. It's a blessing. The one about whom we've been speaking is here. We're gathered into his name. He is our Emmanuel. The very Jehovah we've been talking about is present in this studio. We trust he will be present according to this chapter in Zechariah Mm. in the lives of the seeking ones that have been listening to this program. Let me speak to you just from my heart as your brother. Keep seeking. Read and reread Zechariah and get the help from a genuine and pure ministry through the life study of Zechariah. We're not selling books. We are giving you an opportunity to know the truth, to touch the Lord, and to be deeply encouraged by Him and to be brought into His recovery work today. May the Lord bless you all. Our toll-free number, if you would like to contact us, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher and distributor of the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. If you'd like to contact us, just email radio at lsm.org or call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.